should be played at high volume. Oh, K.J. Martin denying Rudy Gobert. There it is. Tate puts it up and in. Porter Jr. again. With his ninth three-pointer up and in. Look at it. Look at it. He's going to take it the length of the court. Puts it up in the left hand. The second pick will be made by the Houston Rockets. Alright, what's up everybody? Welcome to episode 2 of the Liftoff Podcast. Coming to you from the lead sports media. I'm your host, Keegan Smith, and I'm here with the fellas. Say what's up. Yo, it's Zeke. You know what it is, man. We out here. Yo, it's Corey Randall. What's good? What's good? And today, we got several topics for you. Uh, Eric Gordon is rumored to be involved in trades with the Indiana Pacers. There's been some smoke screen thrown around for that. We're also going to be talking the number two pick and trading it with Detroit, as has been mentioned by several NBA analysts over the last week. And then finally, we will put things back into perspective for this Houston fan base because some of y'all are getting a little bit wild and a little bit worked up about this draft. Very so <laughs> let's head on into it. So, number one, we've got Eric Gordon. He is one of the last guys from the, uh, let's go, original Rockets squad of 2018 left on this squad right now. Daniel House is the only other person who played for the Rockets in 2019, still left on the team, besides EG. Those two are probably going to be on their way out in the near future. Uh, Over the past week, there was a report from a beat writer with the Indy Star talking about how the Indiana Pacers might be interested in acquiring veterans such as Eric Gordon in exchange for the number 13th overall pick in this year's draft. So what this means is that Houston could be looking to leverage their way into offloading Gordon's contract and taking back a valuable asset from the Pacers. Um, Guys, what are y'all's takes on this deal if we were to make it happen? And what is the best way to leverage our trade assets as well as offloading Gordon. I mean, Corey, you could go first, bro. If you if you if you offer me the 13th pick for Eric Gordon, I'm the Rockets. I'm I'm doing it because that's a lot of money that Eric Gordon's gonna be paid over the next what like four years, three years, four years, whatever. Um and get being able to unload that, you're able to get still another lottery pick um be able to use that to you know like we spoke about getting a big man uh with obviously assuming that you know Jalen Green's going to be picked uh with the second overall pick so being able to unload that con that big contract and getting lottery pick I think is beneficial because I I feel like for I mean Eric Gordon's a solid player he's a good player but I don't think you're going to get all kinds of assets from him it's not like he's a superstar and it's kind of a win for Indiana because I don't think Indiana's straight up trying to rebuild. Plus, you get a solid score uh, who can come to the team at the guard position since they don't have all the depot and stuff like that anymore. And also, you know, he's from Indiana, so it kind of works out for them. So if I'm Houston, I'm doing it. Uh, I'm not even hesitating. I mean, for me personally, if I'm Houston, you just you shut up and do it. I mean, Eric Gordon, I love him. He was my second favorite Rocket during the time when uh he was when the Rockets were still competing. You know, I I look at him as a culture changer because I remember that disaster season of 2016 when Dwight threw a fit and we could not get anybody. 
And, you know, the two guys that came to the team was Ryan Anderson, who had depth perception issues and could not shoot when he wasn't at home. But, you know, outside of that, like... We also <laughs> hey, don't on him, bro. Like, we got Eric Gordon, and Eric Gordon was awesome, you know? Like, he opened up the potential and helped us win, what was it, 55 games that first season, which, like, helped us net Chris Paul and let us have that rem- memorable 2018 season. But I don't know, man. I don't know... So my problem with Indiana is that I feel like if Indiana is still operating under the way that they're usually known as, as like the lovable losers that like putting entertaining products for their people, then they'll pick Eric Gordon because he's an Indiana guy. He's from Indy. He's the hometown hero. You know, he was known as like uh, Eric Gordon when he torched Michael Jordan's children in front of Michael Jordan, right? So, I mean, that would be the reason. But I feel like personally that... 19 per or 20 million per contract is a bit of an anvil and it would take a lot more than him to go take for that 13 but if you can do it it'll be awesome i do wonder right like what exactly would have to fill out everything like like keegan do you have an idea what you would have to fill out to make it move uh what i've seen thrown around so far it's been uh because of course you have to make the salaries match within a certain percentage uh, and Eric Gordon is not the easiest salary to match with Indiana. Um, he's making, I think, $18.5 million next season. So that's a pretty hefty figure to move. Uh, if I had to take a guess, I think Jeremy Lamb is on the way out, uh, out of Indiana and going to Houston in the deal. Um, so I guess the basic framework that I've seen on Twitter so far was Eric Gordon plus pick 24 in exchange for Jeremy Lamb pick 13, and then more salary filler. So in my opinion, um, I do that deal in a heartbeat. I don't even think about it, honestly, because yeah. Houston gets younger. We offload a pretty rough contract at best with EG heading out. And, you know, you need that money uh, off the books, quite frankly. And it's not to discredit Eric Gordon and his ability, because he's still a pretty good player at this point in his career. And, yeah, he's getting older, but he's exactly what Indiana needs at this point because they've got new head coach with Rick Carlisle in there. And I think he'll do a great job for them as long as their whole team is healthy. Uh, as long as Sabonis doesn't get hurt. Uh, Miles Turner doesn't get hurt. TJ should be coming back pretty Malcolm healthy. Brogdon. After, uh, after. What's up? I said Malcolm Brogdon too. Yeah. Yeah. Brogdon too. And so I think as long as they have a pretty clean bill of health, like that's, that's a playoff team for sure. Um, probably like a six, seven, eight seed, somewhere in that range. Uh, I think they avoid the play-in, honestly, probably fifth at the highest. And so I think Eric Gordon could really help them because you you upgrade your backcourt. You can use him as a six-man off the bench, or you can put him in the starting lineup and you can put Karis LeVert uh, off the bench as well in that six-man role. And so Carlisle, like he's a perfect fit to EG's from Indiana. So that's home for him. He's got the pizza shop up there, if I remember right. So I – I don't see anything that's not to love about this deal. So what if what if Indiana says like to get 13, they want to they want tickets for Miles Turner? Like what would you do to like would you still do it? So you're saying that we would get Miles Turner back? In, yeah. I we'd have to give up more in terms of assets. Uh and of course Turner's been involved <laughs> in trade rumors for the last god what like 3 years or something like that. I mean it seems it's like every going. 
which I don't understand why they want to throw that man away, but. Uh, oh, I don't either, because he's, he's one of the best shot blockers in the league when he's healthy. And he's, you know, kind of developed his game to where he can stretch the floor a little bit, too. Exactly. He's, he's a really solid player. Um, That's a big boy. Big boy over there. Yes, yeah. sir. I would definitely – I mean, <laughs> if he's on the table, too, then sure, if they want to sit him over, I would, I'd take him back, too. Um, that would be the dream situation, honestly, because I think he could work with Christian Wood. You can shift uh, – you can shift Wood back to the four, play Turner at the five. I just – I don't know if that's realistic because I think he's still going to be a big piece of what they do over there in Indiana. Yes, but I will say – uh, my dream situation at this point has kind of changed. Um, I'm still pretty firmly Mobley mob, but I think if we take Jalen Green too, then we definitely have to swing this deal with Indiana, get pick 13, and take Kai Jones with pick 13. Because Kai Jones, he's super athletic, plays big man. You know, he'll play power forward. He'll play some center for you. He's young. He was a star playing for Texas this past year. I think he's going to be great in the NBA one day. He's definitely got some real star potential. And so he's a he's a pretty special player. And so he's my dream situation for Houston. Yeah, I yeah, I've uh, I've seen some clips of uh Kai Jones as well. Um and I think he'd be a solid pick. Uh, I also I like guys who are um these kind of like late bloomers uh cuz I know he started playing basketball at 15. So, like, when you look at guys that are late bloomers and they're, they have the athleticism and they have, you know, somewhat of a skill set and they've only been playing basketball for, like, a few years, it just opens your eyes to be like, this guy has, uh, you know, an abundance of potential waiting to be uh, unlocked. And, you know, being young and, and, and coming into the league, like, they can really develop this guy. I mean, you look at people like, uh, someone like Embiid, and I even think like uh, Patrick Ewing. Like these guys were weren't guys who started playing basketball when they're five years old. They started playing in their teens in the middle of high school and developed into great players. So you know, I definitely think that would be a great option for a thirteenth pick. I will say the other situation that I'd really like to see pan out <laughs> if we do go ahead and make this trade with Indiana. Uh, if we can't take Kai Jones and he's off the board then I'm hoping that Jalen Johnson is going to slide down the draft board just a little bit. Um, A lot of people have been kind of concerned that he has some kind of character issues or work ethic issues after he opted out of the second half of his freshman year at Duke. And frankly, I, a, I'm not worried about that whatsoever. Uh, It's not my place to comment on, you know, the character of Jalen Johnson. And I, I don't know him personally, so I can't comment on it is the thing. And so even if he does have some kind of problem with his work ethic, I think Houston's coaching staff is a perfect situation for him because they're great when they work with these players who have maybe struggled at some point or, you know, they come from um, just a different situation, like basketball-wise. Like, we can revive guys' careers. And even Kevin Porter Jr., even though he hasn't totally um, panned out, you know, we haven't seen any more of his career more than just, what, 30 games in Houston? But it's looking like he's on the right track. And John Lucas, I mean, he's great at working with these kinds of guys. So I'm confident that Johnson, uh, if he plays, you know, small forward, power forward, whichever one you want him to do, he definitely has some star potential down there in him. I mean, I have no opinion on either one. I mean, to me, if the Rockets can get 13 and any 
circumstances, that's good because the Rockets are in the best interest of losing and collecting assets as much as possible. We need, like what we saw from Atlanta this season probably is a little bit too fast of like of a rebuild, but that's the ideal position that we need to be. Like we need to be back within two to three seasons and this will be the perfect way to do that, to keep on making a lot of shrewd deals that can get us assets or even trade up with assets to get closer to the lottery or further in the lottery to get better players. Yeah, I'm definitely not opposed to moving up in the lottery. Uh, those picks definitely have a high shot of turning into someone that's a really special basketball player. And so that leads us into our next topic for tonight, and that is the smoke that's surrounding Detroit Pistons wanting to take Jalen Green and supposedly trying to move out of the number one position in the NBA draft. So there was a report from The Athletic, and I believe they said that Houston – is still looking to try and trade up with the Pistons because they are just totally in love with Cade. And so I, I have some mixed feelings on this one because Cade, he's definitely a very, very, very talented player. Yeah. And Zeke, you talk about wanting to speed up the rebuild and you, know, you don't want to be in it for the long run. Mm-hmm. Well, if that's what you want to do, Cade Cunningham is probably your guy because he is super NBA ready and he's going to be great sooner rather than later. Right. So if we had to find a trade with Detroit, say that they agree that, hey, we don't want to pick Cade. We want Green. We want Mobley. We want someone at two. And supposedly they're just in love with Green. What are you giving up to move up just one spot in the draft? You know, it's not like we're, we're not jumping from 14 to one or anything like that. And there's a lot of people who are suggesting total hauls that might not be fitting for this scenario. Anybody that says that needs to be drug tested. Ooh, okay. So we we got a hot take there. So how much are y'all willing to give up in terms of assets to get Cade? You go ahead, Z. I mean, my now Cade is awesome. Cade is what a lot of people around me call Black Luca. I Listen, I get it, right? But we are we we're in the interest of making sure we're collecting assets as much as possible. And one is great, but it's not too much of a drop off from two to three, right? You can still find a lot of franchise players in the draft that can lead your team to a title. Um, what I'm willing to do to satisfy Troy Weaver's trade demands. If the smoke smoke screens are accurate, I would let's say the Eric Gordon deal happens, right? And we have pick 13. I wouldn't mind trading 13 and 23 or 13 and 24 along with one with, along with two in this draft and give them back their conditional pick for the next season to go back and get Kate, right? Because what are you essentially losing? You're not losing much. 13, that's something that you got from getting rid of a contract that had no use to being in Houston in the first place. 23-24, that's a glorified second-round pick, right? Because it's so late in the draft, it's so late in the first round that you don't know what exactly you're getting. You can always find hey, there be gems in there, though. No, there are gems, of course, but we have 23 and 24. If we give up one of those, along with 13 that we got, which is gravy, send back two to them and give them back their conditional pick that may not even convey, that works. That's what I'm willing to do. But I, I'm of the belief that 
Houston's in the perfect position at two. It's basically gravy because to argue between Green and Mobley, those two guys can change your franchise direction anyway. And in the case with Cade, I think Cade does push the rebuild super quick. And you saw what happened with Luca and how they're unable to put assets around him because they exhausted so many assets to get him and KP. And now they're left with a bunch of guys that no matter what, no matter what this guy does on the court, they cannot convert a bucket. So, you know, we have to think about those things in entirety. Yeah, I think, oh man. Um, I just feel like you're going to have to give up too much for Cade. Uh, and I think when you have players, when you already have a player like KPJ, who I think is only getting better and better, and he's still only barely just turned 21, like two months ago or so, um, I'm rolling with that. And you still have the option of getting Jalen Green, who's also, an, uh, you know, a great guard or even Evan Mobley as a great big man. I'm, I'm just going to, you know, hold my ground and just roll with that and, you know, put, put the chips where they fall with that instead of trying to overhaul the whole roster for one player. Because at the end of the day, even if a player is NBA ready, looks like they're the next big thing, well, all that, it's just still an if. Like KPJ, we already seen him play. We already know how good he is, and we already know if he's going to get even better. But Cade, it's like you still haven't seen him play, so you still just don't know, and I don't think it's worth it to just throw your roster away like that. And, you know, there are other really good guards in here. You know, even if we took Mobley at, at number uh, number two and then we ended up getting the 13th pick, you know, there's a – like, uh, I don't know if you guys know the guard from UConn, James Knight or whatever. He yeah. can get buckets too. He's nice. Um, yeah, he's talented. You no, know, but uh, but yeah, I'm not. I'm not just throwing away the whole roster for one guy like that. No, I'm sorry. I agree. That's why I said <laughs> they need to be drug tested if they suggest such. Like you know, like what are we doing? <laughs> All right. Like I remember, was it the '97 or '98 draft? Allen Iverson was the consensus number one pick, correct? You know who came down to be? You know, was pick number ten, if I remember, Kobe Bean Bryant. Kobe was a uh, 13th. 13th. Okay, 13th. Yeah. Hey, so that means that we're bound, you know, if we get that Indiana pick, you know, we, we might be drafting the yeah, next Kobe right there. <laughs> yeah, but I guess the point is what we're all trying to make here is that in the draft, it's about drafting within the margins. You're, you know, you're not supposed to, like, throw everything away because all these players, you're assessing 19 and 24-year-olds, like, you don't know what they're going to be until they get on the court. And even when they get on the court, it takes years for them to develop to being what they are, right? And um, in my opinion, the smoke screens we're getting, I'm not going to hold you. I was getting very annoyed by them because, you know, when you go on Twitter, you know, Rockets fans are like, what the hell? How about just get Jalen Green at one? And then we just get Luca, Black Luca at two. Like, let's just do that. That makes everybody happy. <laughs> And you know, but then you realize this is not real life because Detroit has all the leverage, right? They can drive and bargain the price as high as they want. Because at the end of the day, Cade Cunningham is the crown jewel of the draft. That is what everybody says is the consensus star player of the draft. Um, but I do feel that this smokescreen is a smokescreen to see not for Houston, not for. I think, put it this way, right? 
within the top five teams, right, in the draft, like lower in the draft, every team that's picking within top five is playing with house money except the Cleveland Cavaliers, right? Because Cleveland is just like, please, God, we want Mobley because, you know, Houston can literally pick anyone they want. And for the Raptors, they were in freaking – they were in wherever they were, and they just – crap the season and they're just like they didn't go to the playoffs but this is their championship because they got number pick four right when they weren't supposed to so for them like they don't need to do anything five i don't remember who's five that's orlando right orlando yeah yeah and orlando's playing with gravy because orlando stole a pick from the bulls (laughs) so you know so again it's just like how i view it i feel like houston and detroit are working together to see what Oklahoma City wants to do, because it's obvious that Oklahoma City did not want to see this happen, right? They thought when they made that trade with us <clears throat> that it was going to cash in with them getting number one. It was going to cash in with them, right? This season <clears throat> didn't cash in, right? So now they're looking around and saying, what do we do next, right? And I think looking at Cade, they're willing to see what number six can do to get what number six and some parts can do for Cade, right? And I think that's what Detroit is trying to push because they know that Presti is a degenerate. He's willing to do anything, right? And as for the Rockets, the Rockets know how bad that the Cleveland Cavaliers situation is because they know that as long as they push out smoke screens about whatever and knowing that Cleveland wants Mobley bad, they're going to do anything to make sure to like solidify that position. Right. So I think it's all a game that both Troy and uh, our general manager stone is trying to pull. You know what I mean? Well, I call him Austin three sixteen, but you know, if we get, if we get the riff, but I, I think it's all a smokescreen. I think at the end of the day, I, I don't think much trades are going to happen. I think guys are just going to fall in line and get their people, but the smoke screens are valuable to see what each team is willing to give up for their guys. Yeah, and just oh, not good. Yeah, I was gonna say, and hopefully everybody, you know, these teams do just fall into line and draft the guys that they're expected to draft, because it looks like Detroit, you know, even though they they're just in love with Jalen Green, you know, and uh, Troy Weaver, and he's he drafts kind of unconventionally, but you look at them like they're probably still gonna take Cade just because they're number one. Like you have you have the best shot at the best talent in the draft. Why not take that guy whenever you have the chance and just say, to hell with fit, we're going to take the best talent available because we're in a rebuild. You know, that's what we need. But I think a lot of it is just smokescreen. Because uh, even on lottery night, like there was that little report that came out 20 minutes after the lottery, feels like. And they were like, oh, yeah, the Pistons don't love Cade. They'd like Jalen Green more. And they're looking at him. But I, I think a lot of it is smokescreen just being thrown around. I don't know how much – which, of course, we've seen a lot of smoke uh, about Houston wanting to trade up. And so I, I do think that part is true, and I do think that the Pistons really do like Jalen, but I don't think that they're – I don't think they'll pass up on Cade. I think this is just an effort to gain more leverage in a trade and say, hey, like, we don't want pick number one, so what can y'all offer us? And then they're trying to drive Houston to try and negotiate because I think we have the most assets of anyone besides OKC. And so we have the most that we can offer, at least in theory, besides OKC. 
And Golden so, State. Yeah, and Golden State, too, a 7-14. and 14. But it's like we're probably just being used for leverage at this point. But there's, there's no doubt that Houston definitely wants Cade and definitely preferred to get Cade over pick two. But I think, personally, if I'm the GM, I'm staying put with where I'm at. I'm not giving up a ton of future assets. I'm not dipping into that war chest just for, you know, moving up one spot. I, and as great as Kate is and as NBA ready as he is, I just I, – I can't bring myself to do it because you're looking at getting the second or third best guy in this draft probably with Jalen Green or Evan Mobley. Whichever one, you know, it doesn't matter which one you put where, you're still getting a great talent no matter who you take it to. And then especially – if we do land the deal for pick 13 from Indiana, right? So why would you take that pick and then flip that to 4 k whenever you could draft the second best player in the draft plus another great lottery talent with star potential and probably still have uh, pick 23, right? And maybe you give it up as well. Maybe you cough up 23 and 24 for 13. But what it comes down to, I'd, I'd rather have the second best guy in the draft plus the 10th best dude in the draft who also has star potential than just stripping ourselves of those picks plus future assets as well, just to move up one spot. I, I don't think it's worth the cost. And I, I was one of the early adopters of the fade for Cade movement. I'll make that clear right now. I vividly remember telling people whenever we started losing, we need to tank. It's time to tank. And they were like, Oh no, tanking. It, it doesn't work for anyone, but the Sixers, it's not worth it. But what it comes down to you know, fade for Cade turned into trade for Cade. And I think people have gotten a little bit too focused on Cade Cunningham now. And they're neglecting the guys that we can get. Because the truth of the matter, we're going to draft a franchise-altering talent with pick number two, more than likely. Why, why give that up plus more? And Pistons fans, I mean, they're going crazy, too. They're, they're saying they want Wood back. They're saying they want KPJ you know, I'm, I'm not I'm not gutting my young core. I'm not. And it's just not worth giving them up to move up one spot in a draft. Yeah. And, you know, thinking of a few things, talking about Black Luca is I'm only thinking of that if I'm going to give up KPJ, because I feel like I mean, as watching as great as Luca is, Luca loves dominating the ball, likes having the ball in his hands all the time. If you're going to end up trying trying to do that, is that going to work next to a KPJ? I mean, um, it's just like rumors with the Mavericks seeing Damian uh, possible trade destinations like Damian Lillard to the Mavericks. Stuff. Like, would that actually work? Because Luca seems like he likes the ball in his hands most of the time. So would Cade actually fit with like, uh, you know, KPJ there? Because we saw, not to say that he's a dominant guard, but we saw when, you know, Dennis Smith Jr. was there. Uh, with Mavericks, they got rid of him real quick and was like, yo, like he and Luca cannot be on the court at the same time. So we're just going to force Luca into being point guard. But at the same time, when you look at these different drafts, you know, you look at the, the drafts, uh, what was it, 84 or whatever with MJ. If you're the Rockets and you pick Elijah on first or you're the Bulls and you pick MJ at three, you don't really lose. You both got phenomenal players. Granted, one got six rings, one got two, but you, you don't really lose. You got a phenomenal talent you can't feel bad about if you're the Rockets and you didn't get MJ or whatever it is. The only way you're going to feel stupid is if you're in the 09 draft and you're the Timberwolves and you drafted back-to-back Johnny Flynn or Ricky Rubio. I don't know how the <laughs> hell that happened. Or 
Oh. Or you're, you know, you're the Knicks and you get Jordan Hill. Like, that's where you want to look back and, like, feel stupid. But if you get, you know, Steph or you get Harden, like, you can't feel bad. You got a generational player, phenomenal talent. So I'm going to just stand pat. And in this situation, I'm going to look more as, like, a future fit if I'm Houston because you must believe in KPJ. And I think Jalen Green or even Evan Mobley is, is the best pick for there. You got to develop the talent you draft, and you hit it. You hit the nail on the head. Uh, yep. I just think what Rockets fans is is that we're not used as a fan base to like actively tanking. Well, at least they, these fans are not used to it because it's just like we have been competitive for so long that tanking to them means like the and oh my god, I can't believe I'm saying this, but it's like when we had. Um, Lowry and um, what's his name again? I can't. I don't like thinking of Aaron him. Brooks. Not Aaron Brooks. The Kevin other, Martin. Yes, when we had Kevin Martin just smiling and like losing games for us, like, but we're like we're too competitive to not lose enough games, but we weren't good enough to make the playoffs. It was like always tiebreakers. Like, was that like Chandler Parsons' like rookie year? Yeah. Yeah. Or even the year <laughs> before that, you know, we're just you before, yeah. not bad enough, right? Like, that's what I'm saying is it's like, those are the fans that we're talking to that cannot stand the idea of losing and tanking and want to do everything possible to expedite the process. But expediting the process is the Dallas Mavericks. You don't want to be the Dallas Mavericks, at least not right now. You know what I mean? Like, try, you need to, like, if there's a bar you look at, Look at the two team, two teams that are in the finals. They didn't expedite the front, the, the process. They just drafted correctly and made the moves that they made, needed to make within the margins. That's why they're in the finals. You know what I mean? They didn't do anything ridiculous to screw up everything. Because if that was the case, Chris Middleton, who was a throw-in filler, would have never turned into a poor man's Kevin Durant for them, right? Where this guy can be good one game and then play like Kyle Kuzma the next game, right? And it's really <laughs> truly from like home and away splits, right? So like, like the, or like they wouldn't be able to get Aiton and Booker and then make have all the assets to get Chris Paul, but then get Mikel Bridges in a trade and then be able to get um, uh, Cam Johnson, who was a player that came out of the draft at an old age, right? Like an older age compared to his peers. We need to make those types of moves. We don't need to make all these moves to push everything in the talent, to push everything for talent. Like, we don't even have much chips to play with to begin with. Why do people want to do this so bad? I rushing mean, that's the, I have to say. Yeah, rushing the process is probably the worst thing that we could do. Um, and shout out to the other guys that are in the draft channel uh, for the lead because they had to, I'm sorry, like, we had to have a full-scale intervention because I was wanting Houston to, like, try and make the play-in next year. And there's nothing wrong with trying. That You know, I, I wanted our guys back in the playoffs because most fans do, right? You don't want to watch a team that sucks all year. But what it comes down to, if you want to build something that's sustainable for the future, you have to be willing to go through at least three or four years' worth of rebuild unless you get a truly generational talent like LeBron or somebody like right. that. You know, it – these things take time. And if you try and rush yourself through it, then ultimately you're going to probably run into some issues down the road because you say you stack up, you know, 
a bunch of talent at the very start, right? And half of those guys pan out, half of them don't. And say you get that generational guy, you know, he can carry you. If you're still picking somewhere in like, you know, five to 10 range ish, those are probably going to be pretty good role players. Like you need an abundance of them if you want to be like the Suns now, because the Suns, I mean, they've picked these lottery talents over the course of the last few years, the Hawks too. The Hawks, they got Trey, and Trey is their franchise guy. But before that, they had John Collins. They took DeAndre Hunter. They took Cam Reddish, who was playing some great playoff minutes for them too. And, you know, the trade for Capella kind of put them over the edge too, and that was an additional piece that they added. That They were in the lottery for years too, and now they're, you know, they made an Eastern Conference Finals. And so if you want to build a really great, sustainable basketball team that's going to compete for an extended amount of time it's going to take several years at the least like you have to be willing to tank at least for a bit agreed like if you think losing is bad right now you know what else is worse being the portland trailblazers and always being too good and not being too bad enough to tank because you have one transcendent player and then you have no assets to go get better players and then your superstar asset now says, yo, this is, this is getting crazy. It's time for me to leave. You don't want that because guess what? We saw that in Houston a year ago. Why yes, do that again? Don't you know, go ahead. Go ahead. Huh? You know who exactly who was like that was the Hawks for the longest time. When they had Joe Johnson in them, they were always like good enough to make the playoffs every year, but not bad enough to ever get like a solid draft pick or anything because they had all those guys there him josh smith you know al horford and stuff but it wasn't until they unloaded all those guys and then they were pretty bad that they were able to get you know a top pick and could have easily had luca but you can't go wrong with trey young either um and then kind of built from there so that's where it's it's smart uh, so you, you, know. you don't want to wind up in the middle of the pack uh, because then you're stuck. It's, it's either going to take unloading a lot of assets for a star that escalates and it puts you up into a higher tier with the contenders, or you're just going to fall to the bottom of the barrel and then you're going to end up having to really rebuild. And so the thing that we should be doing, and I'm not saying that we should go out and intentionally lose every single game next year to try and get Chet Holmgren or something, right? It, it we don't nice. have to. <laughs> we don't have to tank it's going to occur naturally because this yeah. is a young team and that's just what naturally happens whenever you have a bunch of really young basketball players and it's the nba like guys take a while to adjust to the league we're looking at maybe having three rookies getting rotation minutes next year assuming that we can clear off a couple of the vets right that yeah. team that, that team's not going to the playoffs they'll they'll be feisty They'll play hard. They'll compete for a play-in spot. If we make it, then cool. You know, we go and we get beat by whoever the uh, whoever the seven seed is or something. But I, I'm not I, setting my expectations too high. I and, think the problem with our fan base is that they feel like injuries derailed our season last year. So there's never a sense of closure to see what the team actually was. Yeah, and, that was certainly part of it. And they're but, pushing those expectations onto the new roster, not understanding what RGM thinks and us having young players because we're going to have three young players on this team that are most likely going to have like rotational minutes. And our team right now is construct constructed. Take away John wall is decently young. You know what I mean? Like 
they're going to be running a lot more minutes. I don't know if they're going to do John Wall like like Al Horford and send him home. You know what I mean? But like you said, I agree. They're going to be competitive. But I think people need to understand that was that season. The season that's going to come up is another season. And let that be what it is. That's going to be the season for the young talent to go out there. And we're going to see GM Stone do his magic and actually have his influence on the team. We saw it last year, but we're going to see more of it. You know what I mean? It's not going to be like a shotgun thing where like you have to start being dynamic to what's going on because a certain player said he would, he didn't want to be there anymore. Yeah. Rebuilding is a process and a lot of, a lot of people just need to take a step back and really think that through because it's going to take time. We're not going to be a title contender in another two years. There's, there's just no way it's not realistic. And so when you really think about it, like, yes, it does. Yeah, it, is. It, <laughs> it does. No, <laughs> <laughs> it does suck to, it sucks to suck, man. Like I don't want to watch the Rockets be awful for the next four years, but if that's what it takes, and I don't think they will be an awful team two years from now. I don't even think they will be an awful team next year. You know, I'd, I'm setting my expectation for, you know, a, a 10 to 12 seed somewhere in there in the West. And I, I'll be okay with that because we'll pick up another pretty good lottery talent and we'll add to the young core and then we can build from there. And all of our young guys will have had a full season of experience underneath their belts. We can get a little bit better. And, you know, that, that's the goal. Just get a little bit better every year until we can truly make a push for the playoffs. But, go oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. No, I was fixing to move on to the next topic. Oh, no, just real quick. Um, yeah. I mean, if you're if you're a real fan of a team, I mean, I was excited watching Rockets period this year, um, especially seeing Christian Wood. And early on when we were winning and looking like we were going to make the playoffs and then he got injured and we lost like, oh, sorry. Hold on. And we lost like, uh, twenty. you know, we lost like 20 games in a row or whatever. Um but once we got KPJ, because I already watched KPJ, me being from L.A., watching USC and Pac-12 and all that stuff. And every game, I mean, I wanted Houston to win. But at the same time, I was like, okay, our team is all discombobulated. Like, that's not the focus right now. Focus is he's one of our young future uh, talent of the team. I want to see him do his thing and I want to see him get better. So watching next season, I'm not focused on, oh my God, are we going to make the playoffs? No, I'm looking at, is KPJ, did he get better? Is he playing better? And how is Jalen Green or Evan Mobley or whoever the hell it is that's playing? How are they looking? And are they looking like they're developing, having fun and doing their thing? That's going to be my focus. If you're going to sit here and cry about if they're making the playoffs or not, then you're focused on the wrong things. Yeah, you, you have to set a healthy expectation for the team. Uh, and ultimately, they'll probably, as long as you don't set your expectation too high, like making playoffs and being the four seed in the West, you know, you'll probably be satisfied as long as you don't expect too much. And it's the harsh reality that you can't expect them to be great. But we're building something, and if we're going to build something that's going to last, this is what it's going to take. It's going to take a couple of seasons of just being, you know, in, in the lottery, but get over it. You know, we'll, we'll be a great team one day. Houston's going to be back, but that'll get us into our last little topic here. Right. And I just want to take a moment to put everything into perspective with this draft because Rockets Twitter has been getting in their feelings these last few days over the whole Cade debacle and trading and, 
you know, who are we going to take? It's been a civil war ever since we won the draft lottery and got that second pick. Instead, we should be just thankful that we're in this spot in the first place. We very well could have ended up with no pick in the lottery. We could have had pick number 18 from Miami because of that draft swap. And so we just we need to take a step back for a moment and be thankful that we're in this position because a lot of teams would not have been that lucky. We went, our, we went through this whole season of tanking, and it was unintentional for the most part. But all of that struggle that that team underwent is going to be worth it in the long run because we got lucky with the ping pong balls. And so look at it this way. We could reevaluate our priorities, priorities here <laughs> and just think about it. If we're going to rebuild, this is step one to it. And I'm glad that it happened now. And I'm glad that I have that pick. No matter who we come out with the draft, I'm going to be satisfied for the most part because we got a solid young talent to build around. Yeah, I mean, that's the same point. I think, like I said, like, as Rockets fans, this is gravy. I'm actually happy we didn't get number one because number two offers up so many, like, avenues of where you can pick and how you want to pick that you're not really losing. And actually, we just don't have two. We have two, 23, and 24. <laughs> you know what I mean? And we still have options of buying into the second round because we have a history of doing it, right? And this is a really deep draft, regardless of how you feel. So I think we should just be blessed that we're at this position. Uh, whatever we take, it's straight. You know what I mean? I, I think, I just think that um, we need to, if we're going to talk, have discourses about this on the Al Gore's internet, we all need to behave and respect each other's opinion, right? Like nobody should gatekeep about one's opinion about saying the other one's an idiot or don't know basketball or, or you don't know how to speak the English language or whatever. Like, it's 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 crazy, you know what I mean? Just respect each other's opinion and just be happy on the 29th, whoever is called. I mean, I know there's some people that like if he picked the wrong Jalen and it sucks, they'll jump off a roof. But <laughs> Jalen Rugg, Jalen sucks. If he comes up becoming Daron Williams or Ky- or Kyle Lowry, will you complain? No. You know what I mean? Like it's gravy. We should just be happy for whoever we pick up. Facts. Yeah, but I think uh, I think when it comes to a lot of these draft picks, though, people are always looking at like, oh, you're a lottery pick from day one. You need to, you know, be superstar and not and not let people wait and let people develop. I mean, I'm sure when Kyle Lowry was coming out, it's kind of like, oh, who's this, you know, this pudgy guy who's just going to come in a league who's not that great of a shooter or whatever. And then he developed into, you know, really like a Raptors like legend uh, for how hard he plays. He can shoot, pass, play D, all these different things. So, you know, I'm patient with the draft and I just, just going to be interesting to see, uh, you know, exactly who we get and also how aggressive uh, Rockets are going to be with trying to unload, um, you know, Eric Gordon to be able to get that 13th pick and, and whatever good offers we can get uh, some assets or whatever in return for John Wall, but we'll see how that goes. And yeah, bro, that's the thing. Like this should be fun, right? 
after the season that we just went through, this fan base should be able to just relax for a moment because we're not losing games at the moment, right? And we have a great pick. We have a couple of other solid assets later on in the draft. So let's just have fun with this instead of going at each other's throats and uh, just going for personal attacks and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Just sit back and just relax. You know, it, it's a draft. It's not life or death. But we are a Rockets fan base. We shouldn't be this divided over something that's ultimately going to be great for the franchise, no matter which direction it goes. We shouldn't be going at each other's throats because of uh, dis- dissenting opinions on what pick we want to take. Right? It. Let's just let's just be friends. You know, like let's have fun with it. I think that needs to be said. End of story. Just throwing that out there. We're we're all friends, so. Yeah, I love this community. I just don't want it to be ghetto all the time, man. I don't want to get up and be like, I don't want to get up and turn on the app and be like, damn, why y'all look like this, man? <laughs> like, I'm not like, trying to have there are 30 people in my mentions one morning because I said I wanted uh, Evan Mobley. Like, I'm not trying to get attacked over that. It's, it's just Twitter. Yeah. So, you know, it's a great fan base. And I, I hate the reputation that we get sometimes from people. But I think if we can kind of tone down this, arrogance over our, what our own opinions may be we can kind of fix that reputation among other league circles and you know hopefully people will see how great of a community this really is so at least we didn't embarrass ourselves that much in the meantime we're going to go ahead and finish this thing off guys any last comments concerns questions anything no nah, man let's get to the 29th man i can't I can't wait yeah let's get to the 29th uh, you know, definitely we would love to hear some some feedback and even get some suggestions of things to talk about from you know Rockets fans and stuff on Twitter. Uh, give some give some of our insight on those different things as well. Um, but yeah, can't wait to see who we get. You know, it's gonna be interesting. Yes, sir. All right, it's all love from the H. We're gonna wrap this thing up. Thank you for listening. Really appreciate the support. It's draft season, baby. 